All right, here we go. Another episode of Inside Fitness Radio. I'm your host, Terry Prendo. My guest today is Roger King from appropriately named Supplement King. How's it going, Roger? Great, Terry. How are you doing today? Yeah, thank you so much for making time to come on. We've been working on this for a, a little bit of time and uh, obviously with everything changing because we, I think we started talking probably in like January, February. And then obviously with COVID-19 coming, there was a lot of disruption and you know, let's jump right into it because uh, what's going on with Supplement King right now and, and how has business been? Um, yeah. Well, I'm happy to report that our customers appear to still be leading active lifestyles, still working on their fitness and trying to achieve fitness goals, even during this global pandemic. Uh, you know, like everybody, every yeah. business, I think, in Canada has been touched in, in some way, some some to a greater, some to a lesser degree. We've experienced some some changes. Um, the, the major shift that we saw very quickly as the many cities went into a lockdown mode was changing customers' buying habits. Uh, customers who would have habitually strolled into the store to have a conversation or replenish were engaging us digitally instead, having conversations through different social media platforms or through a portal in our web store uh, and making their purchases that way, whether it be for curbside pickup or to take advantage of our next day delivery option in their area. So it was uh, it was some good fortune that we had implemented something like that, not only 18 months prior. Love to say that I had a COVID crystal ball, but uh, just happened yeah. to be some good fortune for us. Yeah, very well prepared. I mean, you're you're a very interesting guy. Uh, can I ask how old you are? Yeah, I'm 40 years old. 40 years old. Wow. And you've accomplished quite a bit. I mean, for for those who are, are watching this right now, let me, maybe let's give you some some let's give them some background. I mean, you're you're obviously out east. You started this. You uh, you were born out east. I, I was born in New Brunswick and moved here to go to St. Mary's. I actually won a new car at a St. John Flames hockey game which gave me the ability to go to St. Mary's University in Halifax instead of drive into UNBSJ. No. So that was my first taste of big city living that came with some great fortune. Yeah. Um, in coming to the big city, and which for everybody out there, Halifax in Atlantic Canada is the big city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and moving to Halifax, I started to see and work at some different jobs in the hospitality business, whether it was bars or restaurants, and started to, to truly see even as a student that you know, the path to prosperity appeared to be through business ownership. Yeah. For me at that time, uh, avid fitness enthusiast, um, I, I saw the opportunity in a small but growing industry to, to strike, strike it out and began delivering supplements on campus at St. Mary's and eventually servicing those who worked at the various restaurants and bars out of the trunk of my car. Was this and, the mid nineties? Uh, yeah, this this was back in no, this was in early two thousands, you know, two thousand three, two thousand four, and in two thousand six is when I officially forged into retail on a full time basis by taking the the dreaded semester off school, yeah, and uh, and opened a kiosk in a mall next to a Good Life Fitness. No way. Yeah, you so. re you really start. I mean. I've obviously, I've been to Supplement King. I've seen the store. I've seen you guys grow over the years. I didn't know that's that's how it started, really. That's pretty uh, That's pretty crazy. Um, so you started a kiosk and then you just started. How did you get the products? Because you're going up against, I mean, there's Popeye's, GNC, and you're talking about 2000, you said 2000? Yeah, mid-2000. So it's called 2006. 
Yeah, I, I started the magazine 2006, and at that time we worked with GNC. There, there was some pretty big players. Yep. And so, how did you? I mean, and you're out east. I mean, and let's be honest, out east it must be a challenge in itself because the yep. vendors, a lot of people who do business, are going to be in Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. It's yes. probably not that many guys, if any, who are out east. Uh, That's I guess. right. To deal no, with. you're right. You know what? They were formed. They are were and are still formidable competitors. Um, the, the 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 secret to the success I had then was was my expense profile. So in setting up adjacent to a high volume fitness center with just myself basically as the full time labor out of the gate and yeah. rent of under six hundred dollars a month. Um, I, I had a few aha moments during those years. I spent sitting in the middle of a mall, yeah. having everybody walk by me from all all walks of life. And one of them was the customer wasn't who I expected it to be. When I opened that store, this was back when supplements were very much a niche product. Bodybuilders and athletes were supplement consumers. Yeah. Slowly but surely, I started getting more and more mainstream, uh, mainstream audience. So as that happened, I kind of realized that the supplement industry was making a shift to mainstream. And I'm sure you've seen it happen from the conception of the oh. inside fitness to today. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally, when I started the magazine, I was going to call it like inside muscle or yes. basically it was more the muscle side of it. But I made a very conscious decision at that time going fitness is going to be the future. Bodybuilding is what was driving supplements. A lot of the customers at the time outside of probably optimum nutrition, uh, guys like all Max are to pick up and it was, they were very much bodybuilding and every bodybuilder was being sponsored. Ronnie Coleman was selling, you know, supplements. Evan was, was, was following uh, that. How did you get the deals? Because yeah, okay. You, you figured out the customers and you started to see it, which I, I can appreciate. I, I was doing retail when I was a kid. I used to work for, for Zanny group and I always love retail. I'm, I have a, a interest in it. But how did you get the product and then get the right deals? Because I'm pretty sure GNC and Popeyes and there's got to be other guys too who could have you know bigger, better buying power. I mean, if you're going to compete on price, what did you do? Was there a secret there? You know what? For a lot of years, we were we were making a mistake. We were headed down the path of unsustainability by trying to win by price. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you said, there were bigger and bigger players with much larger buying power. Yeah. Um, what allowed me to to make it through alive was my expense profile was just so low. So a thirty point gross margin was something I could live with and I could compete with at that time as a mall kiosk and eventually as two mall kiosks. Okay. Um, as we started to grow up and we started to add full size stores, we quickly realized that we needed to shift. Uh, how we did business, uh, be considerate of all all the margin minimum, minimums in each categories, and uh, and and we also shifted all of our branding and all of our marketing to no longer live and die by price, but instead we focus and obsess about the fitness goals of our clients. Hence the new fuel your goals slogan that we've been running with like the it. last four years. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, in retail is not it's not easy. You know what I mean? And then obviously with the situation now, it sounds like you were planning you know, to do things. It's kind of funny how things do line up. Um, where do you plan on going from here? And what do you see happening in maybe the next six months or even up to two years? But we've got to, we've got to, pardon me, Terry. You're a busy guy, I could tell. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's, I don't know how to, I'm not technologically savvy enough to put my phone on mute. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we, 
we are going to stick with our plan. Uh, we were headed into COVID with a fully scheduled year of new store openings. Yeah. Um, we, we had to push out a lot of these because it wasn't appropriate to, to be opening new stores and markets and interprovincial mm-hmm. travel wasn't going to allow that. We did manage to, for the first time ever, virtually open a location in Manitoba in the middle of the pandemic. So Vir- we, sorry, virtually open, you said? Virtually. So we, we, we walked them through Planogram uh, and stores set up online. Uh, with images, with our operations team, we hosted a virtual grand opening where we would service the community and the customers by curbside pickup only or next day delivery only, not admitting anyone to the store. So taking away all that excitement of gift bags and and all of that sense of urgency. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate in the sense that Manitoba was not one of the hardest hit provinces with the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. So the province and the owner and the, and the clients in that area of Manitoba were, were receptive and it was a, it was a successful opening. The owners there really wanted to get the store up and running on schedule. They felt that that was a, a nice piece of news for the community during a time when it needed it. So yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's unbelievable. I didn't even know that that happened. And it's, I'll give you guys a lot of credit. It's something uh, unique. And, and I think it, during tough times, people are, you know, we're very resourceful. I think humans, you know, we, we are put in situations that we could figure some things out, you know, and, and obviously in business, especially with retail, got a lot of friends in retail. I mean, some people, <laughs> doors are closed. It doesn't matter what you were selling for a little while there. And if you have to make rent, you know, like you said, expense profiles, all that. You have to be very careful. And I think overall, I mean, you've seen some businesses that will tumble. They could have been, you know, on shaky ground beforehand. Yes. Um, you know, I think I think you're, you've hit it right on the head there. If you were on shaky ground headed into COVID, um, I think that that has uh, that has peeled back and exposed all of the vulnerability and the weakness. Yeah. Uh, I have a ton of empathy for all of our fellow entrepreneurial friends out there that have struggled through this, you know, no business plan could ever have planned for a pandemic lockdown, yeah, cash flow under pressure. And, you know, it's, um, it's very I difficult. Gyms and clothes. Like, well, fitness, you know, it's three months ago, you could have got me to probably invest in a fitness center with the right business plan, but my gosh, it's, who yeah. would have ever seen it? Who would have yeah. ever seen it? Yeah. So. It's certainly changed a lot. So what are some of the challenges that you had? What sticks out in your mind? Was there any situations where someone told you to piss off? You're just a punk. You know what I mean, because you're, you're a young guy. Right. Uh, I started, you know, my 30s with, with Inside Fitness. Part of that, you know, I worked in this. But it was, was there anything that sticks, sticks out to you? You know, you can name. definitely resonate with this. But when you need to succeed and you have no option because this is the last shot, it's amazing how that motivates you. You know, when I was in my call it mid to late 20s and opened that mall kiosk, I had left school, no degree under my belt, uh, you know, questionable GPA. Um, it, I was no academic, not by a long shot. So this was it. This was my chance to to make make it or end up having to do something probably in life I wasn't going to enjoy near as much. So that motivation of, of having to build it from the ground up and for it being your only potential source of success down the road, at least from a business or career standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an incredible motivator. And yes, you know, we've 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 heard it in our grow in our years of growing, we've, you know, we've had pushback from certain vendors early on that uh, that didn't necessarily want to support us due to strong relationships they have with other retailers that were larger and more established. But we've always strived and continue to strive to be that retailer that they want to do business with. 
because we're easy to work with. We're open to both sides being successful in every deal. Um, We want, we understand that relationships that are long-term are forged when both parties are successful. So we we approach every single negotiation or situation in that way. So that's, I think, allowed us to punch above our weight, Terry, early on. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's working for you. And and like I said, retail environment's not that easy and you figured out some things. And, you know, um, I can appreciate that because relationships do go a long way, you know, much like yourself. I'm a self-made person in that sense where I didn't have a Rolodex. Uh, I would imagine you weren't probably born into money or anything like that, right? No, you know what? I had a great family, loving mom and dad. Uh, We didn't want for anything, but we didn't take family vacations in the summer. So, yeah, you know, and but is there a part of you that's motivated by like, and I I just say in this sense, but I mean, people who want to see you fail, you know, like money, I like money. I enjoy making money, but I did discover over the years, sometimes a little bit more pep in my step. You know, if, if I feel that, oh, you know what? This guy can't do it. Like you can't do it. I'm pretty sure there may have been some moments. Do you find that that uh, sometimes that's going to be like an underlying motivation? Yeah, you know, if I think back, back in the early days when we were really cutting our teeth and, you know, call it 15, 20 locations, yeah. there were still many naysayers and that was a pretty strong motivator at that point. Now, biggest motivator for me is to help our licensees find success in their business. Yeah. When they succeed, ultimately we succeed. Um, and, and, you know, for them to succeed, our customers need to choose us. So we need to obsess over their fitness goals and helping them reach them and and giving them the information and, and offering the products that are fit for that. And I don't want to sound too salesy, but really it all is a connected chain. And, And in today's digital age where your competitor is three mouse clicks away, that connection to your client has never been more true. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. Um, How many locations are there right now? We're 56 today, and we've got a new location opening every month from August right through to February or March 2021. So we've got a pretty full pipeline. Oh, congrats, 56. Yeah. (laughs) And they're all licensed stores or? They are. We own a few corporately. uh, And, and, you know, there's an ebb and a flow with that. If we find a location we have a, a leasing director in house, and if he finds a location that fits our criteria and it's a home run, and we don't yet have an operator, sometimes we'll take that on corporately and eventually sell that out to a, either an existing operator or a new one. And uh, what's exciting for me on the business side, because that's kind of my neck of the business, is the uh, the site selection and the operator selection. Yeah. Is that fifty percent of our new locations or more are with existing operators every year now. So there, you know, we are now up to four and five locations with certain operators within our group. And, you know, they've, they've sunk their teeth into the program, found success, and now they're able to replicate that successfully. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess when you create a win-win situation, like it sounds like, you know, if, if you're going to make money, everyone's going to make money. I always say that, you know what I mean? I deal with a lot. Yeah. And I deal with the same vendors and, and the customers. I mean, at the end of the day, I, uh, I think integrity is a big part of what we're doing here and being you know, yes. Canadian, supporting. One thing I really do want to push to people, and I've done business all over the world, um, and it's, it's if you can support your own, especially times like this now, I think it'd be great. You know, There's lots of different Canadian brands, different you know, Canadian retailers. Uh, I think it's key, you know, and, and, and hopefully more Canadians recognize that. And, and you guys being, you're coast to coast, right? You've got 56. That's right. We're in every province except for the, except for Quebec for the time being. For the time being, yeah. So, 
Yeah, but but our, our uh, e-com next day delivery reach is literally 90% of Canada. So we can service from our store locations next day to any almost any mailbox in the country. Wow. Oh, wow. It's, it's really, yeah, you're one step, you know, one step ahead of the game. And I was talking to someone earlier today about retail and where it's going to go. And we have, you know, a lot of different, I talked to a lot of vendors. I'm sure you, you speak to a lot of these guys too. And, and they were convinced you know, and, and oh, you know, it's, it's retail is done and bricks and mortars done. I said, listen, I go, I'm certainly going to see, you're going to see shakeups. I go, but I firmly believe in the experience. Um, I used to work for Muscle Night, like I, I mentioned earlier, and we used to have stores and they were pretty crazy stores. I mean, as far as the experience was really cool, but the guy had a ton of money and just blew a lot of it. It wasn't financially the right thing, but I, I did see that. Like, I, I do feel that, um, if I'm going to go buy a protein or something like that, yes, I, I may just go to maybe an Amazon or go somewhere online because it's easy to get and it could be, you know, but I do feel people want to be educated. They want to talk to someone uh, and they want the experience. I mean, to go into a, a supplement store is not just go in there and buying. I, I go into different stores all the time, just, just looking around and I listen to the conversations and you're right about the customer, you know, Coming from a bodybuilding background back in the day, and most of the guys who consumed this were like big jacked up guys, and they'd be the guys coming there telling you what what they you know what they should have. But I, I find and, and a lot of pills. When I was younger, I remember my dad questioning me, thinking I was taking steroids or something because there was amino acid pills. I'm like, oh, these are just you know amino acids, nothing. I bought this from square one. Um, but yeah, so so where I'm going with this one is essentially um, the experience and. Uh, I've been into some of the stores and, and I, first and foremost, I saw a lot of brand exposure. So I see that part of it. So when I walk in, was this a very conscious decision to do this? Was it something like, Hey, you know what? We can really put the brands out there. People, cause typically you don't see that much, but I mean, what was the reasoning behind that or. Yeah, we, so we, as part of our early on strategy uh, and, and relationship building with these brands is, is we wanted to, when we list a brand, showcase the majority of its SKUs. Now, of course, it's not financially feasible to showcase every product from every brand. I mean, we're only going to sell X number of ZMA every month. We can't have 18 different ZMAs on our shelf from coast to coast. So uh, showcasing the majority of the marquee SKUs of each of the brands was one of the ways that we would warm up to them because some retailers and some of them, the large ones, and some of them, the small ones would choose to just cherry pick the winning SKUs and that would be it. So that, that did definitely curry us some favor early on. Um, the other thing that we're also careful to do is we, we protect the brands that we carry in a certain, in, in the sense that we know we're going to sell X number of bottles of isolate five pound a month. Our data tells us this. So there's no sense in having more than 18 brands in that size isolate because at a certain point, we're just going to do no numbers with anybody. Mm-hmm. So we might as well channel all of the business into the into into eighteen different brands. So we're going to hit appropriate figures with everyone, and we have a leg to stand on when we want to go talk to them about deal. I think that that one of the things that we've done very well from coast to coast is the shelf consistency from BC to Newfoundland yeah. is very good. Uh, it's not completely identical. Uh, there's about a five percent gap for for regional preference, but for the most part, it's a consistent consumer experience from coast to coast, and that also allows us to very effectively steer our flyer program um, in that way. We are able to uh, put a deal up, 
know and forecast based on history, based on units on hand from coast to coast, how much we're going to sell through over the next 30 days and come up with very reliable forecasts for that brands when we do buy-ins. So that's been, I think, something that we've done well. And it also is um, goes hand in hand with the fact that our POS system is live connected to every location so that we can truly see live data at all times. Oh, wow. Yeah, very cool. I mean, you're taking advantage of, of technology and this is this is key, you know, and um, yeah. I was talking to someone too about, you know, retail and it's almost going to be in some cases where it's like technology will win, like in the pizza game. Domino's is doing well because they have a great app. They know how to like, you know, if you tweet a pizza emoji, it, it will deliver and they figured it out. And then I think sometimes that's that's key, you know, because at the end of the day, pizza is pizza. You have different flavors, all that. But if you sort of can get things out there to people, make it easy for them and they see it, you know, it, it makes sense. And I like your approach. I mean, you, you've, which, what are some of the brands that, uh, I mean, I'm talk about trends, but what kind of um, products right now have you seen are taking off? What are people buying? Canadians, so it's funny, we have this conversation with the different distributors and the different brands who do business, you know, not only in Canada, but internationally. Canada is very isolate heavy. Um, whereas if you go down just to the States, I'm told that, that blended ways are still the number one seller by a long shot. Mm -hmm. There's a very big difference there in Canada. Um, our, our consumer tends to choose isolate more and more as the years go by. Whereas that, you know, that blend category is big stateside. Pre-workouts seem to be very, very strong across the board. Um, in our stores, pre-workouts, BCAs, and protein, and I'm sure that would be the same for our competitors, our, you know, your top three categories. Uh, we've also uh, expanded pretty heavily into our own branded merchandise, uh, you know, whether it's accessories or, or seasonal workout apparel launches that we do uh -huh. that have actually been quite successful. Uh, that was an operations team project that was introduced a year ago, and I'll admit, I, I didn't vote for it, but they uh, put together the business case and they hit their numbers and, and proved me wrong. So, Wow. So like branded merchandise, like shaker cups too, like what, how many different? Oh yeah. Yeah. We do. We, geez, we would have, I think 60 or so SKUs between the King merch, King lifestyle. The King lifestyle brand is, uh, is clothing based, um, everything you could imagine. And that's seasonal. Um, and then we have, you know, your baseline merch, which we wrist wraps, lifting straps, shaker cups, all of that stuff that we create and, and distribute through our stores. So oh, very cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work, certainly a lot of work. So they've done a great job. And I mean, it sounds like a cool name too, right? King is, King. you know what, that's been some good luck for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, listen, the things that I think you need to be memorable, um, you know what I mean? Like those are little things that sometimes that do add up. It's like, ooh, Roger King, like, what is that his real name? Like, this guy's the king here. What's going on here? And it's, it works out, right? Where people remember, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know what? Retail, I, I, I hear it all the time too, that, you know, everything is going to online and everything's headed to Amazon and that, and that, and that brick and mortar is doomed. I truly feel, especially in our space, which we are specialty retailers, you know, we're not selling toilet paper. We're not selling pure commodity items where people just want to race to the bottom on price. As a specialty retailer, there's usually some information or there's an experience that goes along, at least initially in that sale. Yeah. At a certain point, when a customer knows exactly what they want, it becomes a bit of a commodity purchase. And that's where our online has has place that in front of them if they want to just commoditize their buy and make a quick purchase for next day delivery. Um, but I think customers will always need and want 
a touch point with a retailer. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Amazon bought Whole Foods. Yep. Uh, you know, why would they do that unless they want a physical touch point with their client to interact? Yeah. So I don't think that's that's going anywhere. Our same store sales numbers point north, you know, in the right direction. So at least for us, uh, our customer base seems to seems to tell us that they're they're willing to you know still come visit us in store and interact in an, and interact with us digitally. Yeah, what do you think about the? I've seen some stuff in some of the stores where you like. You have digital interaction in a store. So I could take my phone and go up to a product. I think like they have the wine bottles and you take a photo and a video starts and tell you a story or it could do information. Do you see this really like taking off? I mean, this has been going, they've had this for a while. I've seen some gimmick stuff. I don't know. Like if I'm going to go into a store, if your store or another store, and I'm going to look for something, I guess maybe it depends on the service because I don't know. What do you think? I, we've looked at all that stuff, Terry, actually. Mm -hmm. I find all of that stuff so interesting. I find retail interesting in general, of course. Yeah. Uh, I think that something like that is a better fit in a higher volume retail store yeah. where, you know, specialty retail supplements like we're in, the volume of tickets on a daily basis isn't astronomical. Mm -hmm. I truly feel that there's a, a great opportunity for a face-to-face, -face, uh, a conversation, uh, one where you can learn about a, a customer's goals and, and give them some complimentary item advice. Um, you know, when you start to install digital mechanisms in the store that are automated, there's a there's a risk that perhaps your frontline staff get a little lazy and dependent on that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, there's pros and cons, but I truly feel that's a better fit for a volume retailer. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I've seen some things were pretty cool, like hologram. I think it was like Nike or someone did some really cool display. So it catches your attention when you're in the store. Right. Uh, and if you ever go to like Nike towns or different types of shops, obviously they, they can afford to do it or they have some setups, which isn't bad. So I, I do think there is some benefits. So, you know, sometimes you can maybe have a resource for someone to flip through, you know, some stuff like that. But I think overall, and, and I do, you know what I mean? People do want to talk to people. I find there's a difference. When I go into a store in the United States, uh, if it's a vitamin shop or whatever it is, Pretty much any retail store. I go to Vegas a lot. Well, I was going to Vegas a lot with all the trade shows. I find they're very customer service. They'll come up, how's it going? Is there anything you sell? And they'll always tell you there's a sale in the store. Canada, I don't know. I mean, it's I can't say I necessarily go to every store and I can judge it on that, but I, I do find it's a little bit more passive. Mm. I mean, it's my observation. I think they're more sales oriented in that regards, but it also can be people don't want to be bothered. Right. There's, there's a delicate balance. And, you know, we have a we have an app for our for our company that, that you know, from owners right down to our frontline employees, they have access yeah. to that app on their phone with training videos and with with, you know, materials for them to to get more confident in front of the customer. And uh, it's amazing how um, even the most eager and well-intentioned employee can rub a customer the wrong way by pouncing on them when they walk into the store. Yeah. You know, the little things that, that take time, those soft skills. So we actually teach people to, uh, you know, ensure that they make eye contact and greet within 30 seconds, even if you're talking to someone else. Then count back from 30. Give them 30 seconds to land, you know, walk in the store, make their way to a certain corner before you make an approach to have a conversation. Because uh, it, it's very easy to shut someone down when you feel jumped on. Yeah, no, I think it's cool. Did you, I mean, you obviously know a lot about retail. Did you work in retail before when you were a kid or you just? 
I didn't. You know where I, I feel like I cut my service chops working in the restaurant business. Okay, I was gonna say I was a server in a in a pretty high end restaurant, probably at the time the most expensive in Halifax, and worked my way up as the host and bread dropper to a server. You know, selling wines at the time that were you know much higher price than I could ever imagine affording. Um, and you really learn how to read people in the service business. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I'm much like yourself as far as I went to school. I did finish college. I didn't go to university. Um, but I got into retail and, and I started to just watch people. You know what I mean? I always kind of felt the way I want to be. I say sold. I always say people want to be sold. You know what I mean? I don't mean it to be like, oh, sell me this pencil. I just certainly feel that like we all, if we're going to spend money, we need certain things. We have ideas what we want to do, but we kind of do want to be sold. But then at the same time, there is that delicate line of, you don't want to be a, a jerk. You don't want to piss people off. You don't want to give them too much because I also think that's, you know, it's inundated, right? And yeah. so it's, it's kind of, I, I think, interesting to see where, where retail will go. Obviously, you guys are, are ex expanding. This has been a, a bump in the road for retail, but it could also create some new opportunities. I mean, it could change some customer buying habits. Um, yeah, one thing that, you know, as I said, when as soon as COVID lockdowns begun mid-March, we did see a... Uh, a big shift uh, to our, our e-com portal. And while our store's foot traffic now are, are rapidly returning normal, we continue to see strength through our e-com channel. And quite frankly, some people will just continue to shop with us that way from, from here on in. And that's just gonna be the, the reality of the world. Um, and not everybody's gonna be comfortable, despite the fact that uh, retail restrictions are being lifted, not everybody's comfortable going out right now. So, you know, if there's any silver lining to this, uh, we certainly are now realizing the potential of that e-com and uh, our stores are picking and packing orders and checking it all through the day and, and uh, making sure they're ready for pickup each night with your later. Excellent. No, very, very cool. I mean, you're obviously very passionate about what you're doing. I, I, can, I can hear and see that when you're talking. Now, with that being said, would you ever sell? Is there a price? I always like asking this question to business owners. Would you sell your company? Someone walks in right now. Would you sell it? Oh, Chuck, come on. I'm putting you on the spot. I love putting you people. Know what, look, at, at the end of the day. Let's say I'm buying, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> look, every everything has a value. Yeah. Um, it's, it's. I guess I would be naive to not think that this, you know, as a business is an asset, truly, yeah. at the end of the day. Um, I don't feel I've realized uh, the upside yet to make it worth the premium that I would want. Yeah. Um, and, you know, funny enough, we have had a few unsolicited offers over the past couple of years here. Well, I mean, uh, young guy from the East Coast, and I, I think, you know, for anyone from the States watching, and not, not to knock the East Coast, so I've been out there and I love the East Coast, but it's a lot different to do business. I could only imagine, yes, we got phones and text messages, but I literally can jump in my car from where I live. I got muscle tech right down the road from me and you know, all these guys. It's a lot easier to, to build these relationships. You know, it's remarkable that you've actually, you're that good at relationships. I must say, I've learned that today that uh, you can build these things and harness it. And I also get the feeling too, that your, your licensees, it can't be easy when you're dealing with so much politics with any business. I always tell people, it doesn't matter. I got people who think I'm an asshole. And it's just, just because I had to do a business thing, you know, whatever, things are going to happen. Um, and in your, your case, you're, you're balancing all the customers, your vendors. How about the politics? Did, did you ever get caught up into the politics or you just kind of like forget it? I'm just going to focus on what we're doing here. 
listen, I'm I'm an unelected politician. That's that's the job here that I'm in for sure. Uh, you know, I accepted a long time ago that that within a network like ours, where you have franchisees or licensees, you know, nobody's ever going to like everything that you do. Nobody's ever going to necessarily like you personally at some times. Uh, some people take things very personally. Uh, that said, I think we have a great um, cohesive team, uh, probably, I'd say, better than most systems like ours. Yeah because we're growing and we're having success. Um, but you're never going to please everybody. The one thing I can always sleep well at night in doing and in saying and explaining to, to all of our licensees is that everything that we do is data-driven. We have the access to every single store's inventory live from coast to coast, every dollar of revenue they do, every single day we see it every morning. We examine everything to ensure everybody's hitting their you know margin minimums that we expect in, in their business and help them when they aren't. If we make a decision to go with plan A versus plan B, well those, you know, those those decisions are all data-based. You know, we they may not agree with it, but they don't get to see the data from coast to coast that led us to that conclusion. So that is what helps me to sleep well with, with with everything that we do is that it's always data driven and it's never personal and it's very seldom got to i like that i mean it's definitely an approach is there are you inspired by walmart or is there any retail inspiration you know where you like looked at their model damn that's pretty you know freaking cool uh, you know was let's look right at our own industry i am very uh i found i found inspiration early on in bernie with his popeyes network he grew coast to coast, you know, at what a time. Stood what stood out? What stood out with Popeyes? He was the first to go coast to coast and did it uh, as a as a one individual entrepreneur, not as a publicly traded entity or or yeah. anything along those lines. He started out from scratch and had great success. Continues to have success. Yeah. And uh, you know, all I thought when we started to grow was we can do this same business uh, a little bit differently. And we put our spin on everything that we do in the market. You know, one of the things I'm very proud of is we, you know, obviously we compete in many markets with Popeyes, yeah. uh, selling many of the same products, not all of the same products, but we can talk to our vendors and they will confirm to us that although we may have gone in and we may have built a big business fairly quickly in this new market, we haven't necessarily taken it from a competitor. So what makes that, what that says to me yeah. is that our approach to the retail business and to fitness and to goals is drawing new people into the industry. That's ultimately success to me. Very cool. Yeah, no, I, I can appreciate that. You know, a competition is good. And I, I always said that I, when I started the magazine, um, there were some Canadian fitness magazines, but not to what I was planning to do. And then we started to get, got, once I got into newsstands, and in, in my case, I'll tell you the story, Briefly, I, I had uh, come up with the magazine. I went to GNC and I said to GNC, you know, because they'd stopped selling magazines and GNCs, they used to sell muscle magazine auction, they used to make a lot of money doing it. But then I think it was more of a, a, a Christian thing down in the States. Someone pulled it out because they didn't like the women and, and the female sexy stuff. Anyways, I went there and I said, listen, I got this magazine. I, I had really good content. I had really good writers, guys that you would see in muscle fitness, all that. I said, I'll give you three bucks. I'll keep two. And uh, I just, you guys distribute to all these stores across the country and it flat out turned me down. <laughs> it flat out turned me down. And I was just like, I was devastated as far as, I was a young guy, 
I had this idea, you know, if someone came to me and says, yeah, I'm going to give you even more money of this product, but I, my goal was to get it all over the place and to build it. And I could make good money doing what I was doing. And it just devastated me. But then I realized, okay, you know what? You know, pardon my French, fuck it. I said, I'm going to find out who the newsstand uh, company is that they used to deal with and all that. And I called a friend of mine, actually Richard Levy, uh, and told me, he's like, he goes, this is the company, coast to coast, call these guys. And I, I just, I called them up and I said, hey, you know what? I got this magazine. I just want to get it into chapters. Like, I can't afford to be this guy because I just started out of my basement. The guy came and met with me in my family room. And uh, he's like, oh, we could do more than that. And, you know, it started to go. And then we started to tap into the vendors. And that's the one thing about community. And I'll take some pride in saying that there was not really a fitness community at all. And there was no supply. There's just guys who worked here. You had, you know, HBS and All Max on Muscle Tech was, was big, one of the biggest supplement companies ever, you know, Canadian, Canadian guy. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's really cool. And my hat's off to you for for growing your business. And it sounds like you have a lot more that you're going to do. And, and, you know, kind of back to what I said about selling your company, I'm joking around all that type of stuff, because I think anyone would be foolish to not say, like, I would entertain, listen to things. You know, I mean, you, you'd certainly want to listen, because why not? I mean, you always should take some meetings and listen to what people have to say. However, you know what I mean? And sometimes you may need to get to another level. You may need to do something or someone may see that. And it sounds like so unique in what you're doing, because I always, and, and you're kind of changing. I've been in the industry for 20 years. I looked at retail a certain way and, I, and now I kind of, you know, seeing what your vision is and, and talking to you about this. It's, it's really cool. I mean, hopefully we can see more of you online or doing some of these videos. I mean, I don't know how many podcasts you've done, but. This is my, I'm, I'm a virgin podcaster. So this is my first time. And I thank you for oh, being cool yeah. and sweet and maybe you'll even call me after. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. I'm going to call you. Trust me. No, yeah. You know, I, I, like I said, I appreciate the time and it was fun to get going. And I do have, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I do have a plan. I have a plan and I find the supplement industry. I mean, the supplement guys are kind of like here and there and, you know, everyone's competitive, but I do feel like you said too, you know, everyone's in it and we all can win. It doesn't necessarily matter. I get you want to be competitive. I'm just as competitive as the next guy, but it's like a hockey thing. You know what I mean? Like we'll have a beer with you afterwards. I used to compete with Iron Man and all these guys. I'm friends with these guys. It's just, hey, sometimes I would get a deal or they would get a deal and say, hey, call up Iron Tech because they got money to spend. I got my chunk. You go do what you need to do. It's marketing. You know, and I do want to get people together. So I do want to do a podcast and probably get some other retailers, people who have, you know, opinions and talk about the industry, uh, even vendors and have a little bit more transparency to and to the people behind the products. You know what I mean? Who are you? For many years, I, I don't like being in front of the camera. I don't like, I'm like more of a behind the scenes guy, but I got more comfortable. And hopefully you start a podcast or you do something because I'm telling you, it sounds like, you know, you, you definitely have this, this passion and people need that, you know, and the younger people, let's be honest, you know, I got two kids. One of my, my oldest is 16. I'm, I'm lame to her. But there's other kids who would look at it and go, wow, this guy's doing something. Or in your case, you know, so it's good to give back. You know, and if you can, I, I strongly suggest. You call to action because, you know, much like yourself, I, I'm very, very happy sitting in the background and, and helping our team make decisions about direction and, you know, letting our, uh, our, our store performers be, be front and center in the community. And um, good call to action. I'll, I'll definitely chew on that. 
think about it. I'm telling you, I mean, it's, I get it, you know, and we get busy with our lives. It's hard to get podcasts together sometimes, but you know, I've yeah. seen some people do it. I just think you'd be great at it. And like I said, the inspiration and I'd like to learn more, you know, and I think there's a lot of people out there who just want to learn. You know, I may not open a store, but it's like, what you're, I always say this is training. This is my thing with training. It's like, I, I met this NFL guy and he was doing like kickboxing and shit. And I'm like, what? And what, what do you need? Why are you doing this training? He's like, no, this is good for my movements. So it's the same thing. You know, you could take something here and it comply, you can apply it to your business or whatever you're trying to do. There's tons and tons. Of, I mean, I'm so happy I, I started this because there's so many Canadians who were not getting recognized, you know, and, and from a business point of view, it would be great to see more of them. And like I said, I do have a plan. So I will hit you up and say, hey, you know, can we do a podcast with a couple of people? Have some, you know, some think tanks, stuff like that. I mean, education and informing people in, in an entertaining way would be fantastic. So that's awesome. Well, Terry, you've been, you know, you've been an industry legend for many, many years, and you know, you do, you definitely are the glue that holds the industry together here in Canada. And oh, inside, fitness, inside fitness is is Canada's fitness magazine, um, and uh, I look forward to more interaction. Thank you. I appreciate it.